Today, we're going to find out why the, the TV series on Netflix makes me happy. We're going to find out as well why Flint thinks Infinity War might be the best film ever made this year, or possibly ever. Spoiler. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, we've connected the dots. We'll find out if I'm really that amazing at films. In a cloud where there are already too many film podcasts, you have to ask yourself, what's the harm in one more? Two ordinary men armed with unqualified opinions. Talk filmy to me. Hello, welcome to the Talk Filmy to Me podcast, the podcast about news, film, entertainment, general pop culture, and at the click of its fingers can make half its subscribers disappear. My name is Adam Flint. You can find us on Twitter at Talk Filmy to Me. Joining me on the pod today, filling in for my OG host, it's my even better OG host. You may know him from his appearances on BBC Radio, BBC News. He's not under the influence of BBC, but they just use him a lot because he's a really good guy for space news. Jamie Hannon, how are you doing, sir? Not too bad, mate. You've got one important thing as as well there i'm also free <laughs> <laughs> free as in price not as in slavery yeah, yeah. <laughs> how you doing so it's been a while since you last been on the pod uh, jamie you might recognize he's bellow and um, he was on our annihilation special our diehard special and every now and again on regular episodes as well yeah you've also appeared on a couple of wrestling podcasts yeah one the rest hold uh, rest hold wrestling. Rest yeah. wrestling. Sorry, is what it's called. Yeah, that was a that was a long one. That was a two and a half hour podcast. That one, and it was very drunken. Okay, let's tie it back in the films. Favorite <laughs> film with a wrestler in? Oh, <laughs> well, you've got Hulk Hogan. He was in the film. Was it called Nanny? Yeah, the nanny. The nanny. That was. That was like a classic '80s film when you were a kid growing up. That was quite a good film. And then obviously there's that brilliant film with uh, is it Paul? Oh, that one was it called The Wrestler? Yeah, yeah, uh, Mickey Rourke. Who, Mickey Rourke he, he's it. not. He wasn't actually Mickey Rourke's not actually a wrestler, but he does. Yeah. He he basically become a wrestler for a yeah, while, right? That's that was that was a great film as well. What I like uh, probably he's brief, Hulk Hogan's brief cameo in Gremlins. That was, that was yes, that's fantastic. Um, Hulk Hogan, when he was in the... It was early 90s, and they were like, oh, my God, we need to get wrestling people into Fillmore. And he'd done a film called The Secret Agents Club. I don't think I remember And it's basically the nanny, but the kids, instead of just looking after in a house, he's actually, like, basically James Bond. Oh, no, I do remember that one, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but to be fair... Whenever I think of spy spoofs in the nineties, you've got to go spy hard. Like yeah. that is yeah, the Leslie that Definitely. is the one. Rest in oh. peace. We've but, just totally ignored the rock there. Well, I think the rock he's transcended like the whole he's a wrestler acting yeah. thing, right? Yeah. Like he's become I said it before in the last pod actually, he's he's basically the biggest star on the planet now. Yeah. He's even I think he's bigger than Tom Cruise now. But actually, speaking of Tom Cruise, I heard a really fucking weird thing, right? You know the big movie premiere, the concept of a big movie yeah. premiere of having all the press there, invite the fans along yeah. and red carpet. Red carpet and that sort of stuff. Tom Cruise introduced this. Really? Like, yeah, so before Tom Cruise started doing it with his action films, yeah, like it was basically a press event. It was a it was a prestigious event, but it wasn't like invite fans. It wasn't out in the open. It was very much in the cinema. And then Tom Cruise basically would take hours getting into the cinema because fans would be out the front, and right. he thought he could capitalize on it and add more things to his. Fr- it just became a thing. It became a thing. Like, and apparently Tom Cruise was the one who started it all. Do you know that that guy's pretty awesome. Apart from the whole Scientology. Apart from the whole Scientology thing. And yeah. yeah, yeah. But, he's pretty awesome. Nah, he, he is pretty awesome. And I love the fact that he does his own stunts still. Yeah, he's. Cool. Uh, I've read somewhere that he's so fucking passionate about his films. Like, he's... 
when he signs up for a film, he is always the first on set and last to leave. And for yeah. directors, that's a bit of a nightmare because actually it's a bit intimidating having someone like Tom Cruise around <laughs> anyway. Yeah. But he's so like, he's like a, a dog with a bone or like, I don't he's know. He's like, a real method actor, isn't he? He sort of really gets into the role, doesn't he? He's just obsessed. Apparently during the filming of The Mummy, um, unfortunately he didn't do too well in the box office, but everyone really enjoyed working on it. I haven't seen that. It's, I'll give, I'd recommend it. Like, yeah. Just it's interesting to see what could have been because they he, they even open the film with a thing that says the dark universe and um, Russell Crowe all of a sudden basically becomes this this I don't know this Alfred to everyone's Batman of like yeah. setting up all these different characters and because it tanks so much they just basically canned the whole thing. Oh. But so watch it and don't think oh no this is like a failed project. Just watch it and see if, oh this would have been actually quite interesting if if they carried on I quite enjoyed it but anyway when they were filming it the director said that Tom Cruise would turn up at his trailer at like 5 in the morning and be like do you want to go for a run let's go for a run what are we doing today how's the sound mixing going can, can anything I can help with and they're like Tom just just calm down mate it yeah. sounds like a, a it sounds like a child you know like my, my daughter's only just sleeping through night and she's waking up at a similar sort of time I'm basically thinking maybe my daughter is basically Tom Cruise same height <laughs> <laughs> All right, shall we crack on with news? Yeah. News. So, let's talk about some trailers that come out this week. So, Venom, the Tom Hardy project, the Venom story that's not based around Spider-Man, even though it's heavily ingrained in the Spider-Man ethos and comic books and TV shows, everything in between. Its second trailer released last week. Um, a lot of people criticised the first one because they've gone, why haven't you shown Venom? You didn't show Venom. I personally thought it was a great mm. teaser and I thought it was a great way to build up and they released the second trailer. Have you had a chance to, to see I've it I've only yet? seen screenshots of it. I've not seen the Yeah, it kind of become a real internet thing yeah. because of the uh, the big unveiling of Venom at the end. But obviously, if, you've, if you're listening to this podcast, chances are you've seen the trailer. And we also shared it on our Twitter account, which, by the way, please follow. It's really hard to keep telling people that we've got a great engagement when there's only 22 followers. But anyway... <laughs> um, in the trailer, we get that big unveiling. And I personally think this this is building up to be something really special. I love the fact that Tom Hardy does the voice of Venom, the voice in his head, as well as being his character Brock as well in this. And they done the big unveiling. They showed Venom being symbiotically turned into the big character. It is very much representative of the comics. He's yeah, he's literally large in life, hulking, if you could say that. And um, the thing is, though, the internet kind of done what the internet does, takes it as screenshots. Fans absolutely love this. As Jamie mentioned, he saw it being shared around on social media. Some people are starting to take jabs at it already, though. I think Elizabeth Banks, um, you may know her from Community, and most recently she played Rita in the Power Rangers reboot adaptation slash abortion. And um, she said, it looks like he's sucking a dick. And it's like... I don't get... I mean, if that's what sucking a dick looks like, I do not want to be your fella. (laughs) She's doing it wrong, mate. (laughs) (laughs) But also, like, uh, on the Empire podcast, I mean, I don't ever want to knock another podcast, but they really did slate it. And I'm thinking, come on, guys. It's just a it's just a trailer. That's it. You've you've had two trailers, which are, what, in total showing maybe less than 2% of the total film. Probably not even that. You know, uh, you can't make a judgment on that. And plus... I hate trailers where they pretty much show you all the best scenes from the film in the space of like five minutes. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got nothing to look forward to in the film. I think they're being quite clever with it from the sounds of it. They're, they're putting in little bits. They're teasing you. They've shown you Venom at the end who I thought looked pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and, and, and they're building up to it. I mean, if you, I, I mean, Superman versus 
Batman, you know how I feel about that film. It's a classic example, I think, of where they've put all the action into the trailer, and I understand it now because there was only like two minutes of action in the film. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. And I think this project, like everyone's been wanting to kick it from the moment it was announced because they've gone, oh, what are you doing? You're taking a property that was attached to Spider-Man, so it's not attached to Spider-Man anymore, and and it's going to be shit because Sony's making it, and and it's going to be fucking terrible. And then they're like, actually, we've got Tom Hardy attached to this. Well, 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 his Bane voice wasn't particularly good, was it? Well, actually, Michelle Williams is also attached to it. Well, well, she's just doing it for the money. Well, um, and actually, we've we've really got some good writers in on this, and we're taking the approach of, actually, we've looked at some of the comics which aren't related to Spider-Man, and we're taking the best story elements of them with Lethal Enforcer and, and everything else and, and making a really original story. Well, well it's going to be shit because you didn't show Venom in the trailer. So it's just like, you know what, guys? <laughs> Chill. Yeah. Yeah. If you think it's going to be shit, Watch it and let it be shit, and then say after the fact. Let's just get excited. Let let the fans hype on this. Yeah, you, you can't make a judgment based on a clip. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, and these the and, and things though. This is showing, especially the last two years. There's a big disparity between film critics and film fans. Mm. Prime example: Star Wars: The Last Jedi. How many people? How many? I I can't find a critic online yeah. that has come out and said anything less than a five star glowing review. Two reasons for that. One, they might have loved the film, everything else. The other part is that, well, this is kind of a new world for Disney and Star Wars, and I don't want to be known as the guy who told them their film wasn't great, and I, I don't get the interviews, I don't get the, the coverage, everything else. Where the actual fans, or a lot of the fans, a percentage of the fans, we should say, have got problems with it. Yeah. And that's not, not, not bad, better or worse, right? And it's just like a... Why don't you let fans also be a voice in the conversation of how good a film is? Yes, I mean, criti- I've always found that critics they they don't they, they 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 take the analysis too far sometimes. I think as well when they're analysing a film, mm. sometimes it's about enjoyability and watchability of a film, isn't it? Yeah, you know, you got you know the, the average person who goes watches a film isn't going to be analysing the ins and outs of what the meaning is of that rock happening to be at 90 degree angle to that person you are speaking to the guy who done like a 20 minute analysis on the colour palette used in Shape of Water (laughs) to to tell John that look who gives a shit she still fucks the fish but (laughs) (laughs) yeah good point (laughs) so so let's 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 segue well hey he's back on it again so Mm -hmm. let's move to um, the Han Solo trailer that came out last week as well you seen it yes you know what I'm actually getting hyped yeah, I didn't I'm think I would. It. I don't think I would. I think that. I think probably one of the most interesting things is the guy. Who's the guy who's playing Han? It's. Um, oh, don't put me on a spot like that. Oh, I do uh, apologise, but he, he. I actually think he has got the look of a young Han Solo, which I don't think is necessary for the film. I don't think that, that's important, but it does help with the picture in your mind, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think they've been very smart with allowing certain lines of dialogue to be shown in the trailer. Mm. Things like the carefree nature of Hans. I mean, I mentioned it in a podcast ages ago about when we're talking about how hard it is to take an iconic role that's always been portrayed by one actor and interpret it. Don't interpret the actor, interpret the character. And there's certain lines which embody the character of Han Solo, i.e. the just winging it nature, that everything will work out in the end, and that I'm looking out, or how you learn how he learns to want to look out for himself. Woody Harrison telling him, everyone will betray you so if you just expect that you'll never be disappointed mm. and I love the line between him and Chewie where you hear Chewie go Aah! whatever terrible Chewbacca impression <laughs> and he just goes you're 190 you look great <laughs> <laughs> 
and, and also, we got to see more of Donald Glover looking as a suave, calm, oozing charm motherfucker, Lando Carizian. Yeah. Oh, Lando's and, a great character. Yeah, and like I said, I, just, I, I, I need to have in this film, if this film does not have this line, I'm going to write, and I want him to look at him and just go, Han, you pirate. <laughs> something like that yeah. I need that in my life um, but yeah getting really excited that comes out very very soon um, May and April and May is going to be a blockbuster extraordinaire um, for the ages I think uh, Infinity War which we'll talk about later on absolutely stellar I think Han Solo I'm actually starting to believe the hype on that I also think it's quite nice of a Star Wars film to come out in the summer as well there was talk a while ago that they were going to do summer Christmas summer Christmas and like have a release, two releases every year. But I don't think that's happening now. It's every other year, isn't it? Yeah, at the moment. But I think with all these new projects they've got lined up, yeah. um, and we haven't even mentioned this in a while back, actually, and thank you for, for prompting me on that. John Favreau, the guy who uh, bought us Iron Man in terms of he bought it to the big screen as a director, mm-hmm. as well as Iron Man 2, producer on a lot of Marvel movies, but also part of Disney's live adaptation slate with the Jungle Book and The Lion King, which is just creeping around the corner as well. I expect a trailer to drop in the next couple of weeks. And he has been given the keys to the Star Wars TV kingdom. He's going to be writing and producing a a TV universe of uh, Star Wars uh, properties. Now, whether this is going to end up purely on Disney's streaming service or whether this is going to be readily available by, who knows? But this has been met with two ways. One, yes, John Favreau, amazing guy, done some amazing work. We all can appreciate the work he has done. Fantastic. Mm. The other side of the coin is... It's another white middle-aged dude getting the keys to a big Star Wars property. Yeah. You know, if you think about Ryan Johnson, you think about uh, the guys from Game of Thrones getting signed up. You think about obviously um, Star Trek guy. I can't remember J.J. Abrams, yeah. and yeah, you know, it is very much the mould of a similar person. Where there's an argument to say that maybe they should be looking a bit diverse. Maybe they should be looking a little bit further than just the just as far as their their friend circles. So yeah, it's a, it's a mixed bag on that. I'm looking forward to it. Star Wars TV binging who can ask for what more exactly so just uh, so that's that's trailers let's talk about um, some other stuff in the news so Harvey Winstein we've talked about him a while back in August obviously the Me Too campaign and stuff there's actually been no criminal proceedings against him has there he's just disappeared hasn't he he has disappeared off the face of the earth until recently oh so he has decided that Harvey Winstein disgraced man ruined a lot of people's lives, I think it's fair to say, and yeah. also probably is not very deserving of uh, public opinion. Yeah. Decided to attempt to start mending bridges and attempt to start talking about his actions. And he decided Already? to, yep, yeah, he decided to mm. confine in none other than, you know what? If I was his PR guy, which by the way, I don't want to be, and I don't think anyone, I don't think anyone does uh, want to be, I would say to him, you know what, be above board as yeah. possible and speak to someone and allow someone to hear your side of the story who the public might be able to at least hear the conversation about. Yeah. So he went with Piers Morgan. Oh. <laughs> he has done a series of exclusive interviews with Piers Morgan, which I assume will be released over the coming weeks and months. And he honestly believes that he will find redemption in the court of public opinion uh, over the coming years. I, I, I personally think it's impossible. I think it's beyond redemption. I, I mean, th- yeah. it, I mean, the only thing he can possibly do is acknowledge what he's done, seek help, and get it sorted. Uh, and 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 I don't know, 
do something to make sure this doesn't happen in that industry I, again. I, I don't think you can. I, I don't, don't know how you, you move on from this with your Harvey yeah. Winstein, but what I do know is that you don't sit down with Piers Morgan and talk no. about it. In fact, actually what you should have done is just disappeared. Not like as in die. Uh, <laughs> not like as in be, like, be, get a hitman or something. I mean, like as in he should have bowed out from public the public space um, and then that's it. Just he shouldn't he shouldn't be resurfacing. No, no, because, no, completely. Because obviously, what he's trying to do, probably in the back of his mind, is trying to rebuild his empire. Yeah, which is never ever going to happen. No one's going to work. No, with that the, the Winstein Film Company is in tatters right now. Yeah. They are hemorrhaging money right now. People are losing their jobs yeah. left, right, and centre. Films that were being backed by them are no longer being backed yeah. by them and everything else because of the impact this is having. So, yeah, it's a it's a difficult conversation topic for us, to be honest, because, yeah, we think the guy's fucking scum. Yeah. But, um, you know, we're just trying to add some form of class to the podcast by having that other side of the coin of opinion. But, yeah, uh, yeah basically, you know what? I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Harvey Winstein, stop talking to Pierce Morgan. And Pierce Morgan, stop being Pierce Morgan. Yeah. Anyway, that's the more moral of the yeah. story. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, um, just to, to wrap it up, James Cameron, the director who we all know and love uh, or parts of his works anyway think about Terminator 2 Judgment Day think about uh, Titanic think about Avatar it's fair to say that he has earned a bit of a free pass for for being a director of the ages and it's fair to say that his works haven't necessarily aged well but he's trying to get back in the public eye a little bit more outside of his public endeavours like do you remember he took a submarine to the bottom of the earth and all that sort of stuff yeah 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 he kind of pissed a lot of people off by slagging off Wonder Woman um, last year. He had a point to an extent in terms of Wonder Woman wasn't the first woman to showcase a female protagonist as the mm. hero. Think of Sarah, Chron- uh, Sarah Connor yeah. in his films. And obviously it goes way before that as well. But still, you know what? Um, I was quite public on this podcast and basically said to James Cameron, can you stop pissing on people's cornflakes and just uh, let him enjoy it? Now, I'm I'm calling you out again, sir, because you're being a fucking dick in the media once again. <laughs> You've decided to, out of nowhere, during the week Avengers Infinity War gets released, to sit down to a big public interview and go, well, I think that that." Marvel was starting to have movie fatigue and that people went, yeah, shut the fuck up, dude. You're the dude trying to make 17 Avatar sequels and you're complaining about the fact that Marvel keep churning out this. And is I've that had- an over-exaggeration or is he actually trying to make 17? It's, he's making five. But, um, five? That's still five. a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah, five. For a film that was... Okay. Yeah, it was basically... <laughs> it was essentially Cowboys and Indians yeah. where the Indians were blue and they all had sex yeah, with their it, tails. It was Dances with Wolves. Kevin Costner, by the way, uh, does with wolves in space. I don't get me wrong, for, for what it was, it was cool because it was different. Yeah. But then it's in a box, on a shelf, never to be touched again. He's pissed because the Russo brothers, which, by the way, just to, not to go off on a bit of a tangent, but you turn around and say that Marvel don't invest in filmmakers, that don't invest in storytellers, that don't invest in people who actually give a shit about the film industry. The Russo brothers started their career in 1997 where they were funded off of a small credit card-based film. They took it to a film festival, got funding, got their own production company, then went into TV writing. They made shows like, shows like Arrested Development, worked on Community, had an amazing stellar career in TV, set up their own foundations for funding young writers. They then got picked up and made their own films on top of that. They then decided to take some of their money have made out of Infinity War which by the way James Cameron has taken your title as the most expensive film ever made and used that to build their own film production company hiring young writers to make new things anyway (laughs) run over Um, not that I'm very defensive of Marvel movies at the moment (laughs) but um, James Cameron is moaning once again that Marvel should 
that these films will go away and that, in his words, I just think there's other stories that need to be told. I totally agree with you, James. Here's the gauntlet has been laid. Go make a fucking better film. And um, So anyway, Jamie, what's your view on James Cameron? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's as strong as yours. <laughs> I don't know how you follow that. I mean, that was that was impressive. First of all, the knowledge that you had on that that whole thing was, was, was impressive. I was just sat in awe, mate. Oh, like, thanks, mate. Thanks. I, if, if I was James Cameron right now, I'd be afraid. No, no, no. I just want to point out before people actually start sending me abuse. I, I'm a big fan of his work. I'm just not a big fan of him. So yeah. I think as a director, he's absolutely fantastic. He's absolutely stellar. Obviously. As a person, yeah, yeah, he's dirt. Yeah, exactly. But look, let's you, also you got to pay homage and things like Kevin Fargy, the producer of Marvel, Hello Be His Name, were decided to respond to this, and he responded in the most ultimate way possible. Because uh, James Cameron's statement was, "I really like the Marvel films," but and then goes on the whole rant about this. Kevin Fargy's response was just, "James Cameron likes our films." Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> but you can actually tell, like, it was a video interview, and, like, look at his face. So someone he, he, he admires yeah. has gave him a compliment. So that's yeah. fantastic. Anyway, that's your news for this week. Streaming Gems. For the Streaming Gem this week, we're going to take a quick detour into TV, as we do every now and again. And Jamie, uh, my main man, has been doing a bit of watching on a new Netflix original called Happy. Um, to be honest, I've seen a lot of people talking about this on social media. I haven't had the chance to enjoy this one myself, but I hear it's fucking batshit crazy. Jamie, what is this show about? Well, I think you've summed it up nicely there, mate. It is absolutely batshit crazy. Um, it's one of those ones where, you know, I mentioned before on this show that when you're looking through Netflix, quite often it's the cover art of the tile that pulls you in yeah this one hadn't but i think they put it up as like one of the main you know sometimes they have like the when you go on to netflix it's got the main opening and it's got plays the trailer automatically yeah and i just happened to be uh, busy doing something else and so the trailer automatically played mm-hmm. and it just looked insane so essentially the, the storyline behind it which is not giving anything away is uh, a disgraced detective has become a man for hire uh, right. Not in a sexual way, in a <laughs> hitman way. <laughs> it takes a dark turn very quickly. No, he becomes a hitman. Um, and he's literally got a. <laughs> so, so imagine. Do, 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 do. Hello, dialer dick. <laughs> Sorry, I'm. Di- would you like, would you like a happy ending? <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's a disgraced cop turned hitman. He um, his name is Nick Sachs, and everyone calls him Sachs. Um, uh, he's got a weird moral code, and essentially, the daughter do- do- his daughter that he does not know about gets kidnapped by possibly one of the creepiest guys you'll ever see on TV. Right, um, and his daughter's imaginary friend. Okay. Um, goes off to find Nick and uh, Nick Sachs has uh, at this point had a, a heart attack which he becomes a recurring theme in, in the series uh, and, and and as he's dosing himself himself up with drugs in the ambulance on the way to the hospital he suddenly sees the imaginary friend right? Uh, and it goes on from there and they go on this adventure to try and save his daughter it's a very dark comedy like the jokes in it are like the sort of thing that you and me love um, right he, he just doesn't give a shit about anything or anyone. Um, and there's just some classic lines in it. And it is a laugh out loud film with this crazy blue flying unicorn. Right. As his co-host. Well, it's, it's, it's written by a guy called Grant Morrison, who basically has more of a comic book background, but he's uh, he's Scottish. And oh, um, right. apparently has quite an influence and of 
like drugs and things like that. Like yeah. you think think like um think like a crazy version of uh what's the Scottish film Ian McGregor um Ah, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. It'll come back to me later. Anyway, think about crazy drug fueled comedy, black comedy style. That's, yeah. that's the sort of writing style from what I've seen. Um, what train? Train spotting. Oh, that's it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Train spotting. So, uh, ah, check me out. Yeah, check that out. <laughs> so, what's the rest of the cast like? Like, what are the other characters? Um, well, so there's it, it, not that many other sort of main characters until you get more developed in the film. And then suddenly there's this gangland boss who, who, who plays it quite well. Um, there's this whole. Like you know, like Jersey Shore sort of show that's also being filmed about the Ganglands family as well. That the gang family is like some really weird segments in this, like right, and it gets very weird very quickly. Um, there's his ex-wife, daughter of the the girl who goes missing, like she sort of appears in it, um, and uh, the cop who ends up helping the investigation, he cheated on with her on his wife so that, that, that she sort of so they've got this weird triangle sort of going on throughout it right um, but uh, it, it comes very apparent very quickly that the he's he's actually held in quite high esteem by all the gang I say in America they call them gang bangers um, it's sort of like the mafia type people they all respect him because no one can kill this guy yeah like he has been thrown out of windows he's been shot he's been stabbed <laughs> he's been beaten right um, he's had a circular saw to the arm and he still kicks everyone's ass and kills everyone and comes out the champion right so the guy who plays Sax a gentleman called Christopher Maloney you mentioned before like he's yeah. got a bit of a history of being a tough guy in films not very comedic so like yeah. he's been in roles in Sin City he's been in Man of Steel yeah. uh, he was even in Law and Order for a little bit but um, he's very much known as being a tough guy, but not necessarily the comedic yeah. sort. Is he a funny guy? Has he got the yeah, chops? For yeah, it's, it's a very dry humour though. So it's not he's not he's not sitting there cracking jokes. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's the way he acts with this flying blue unicorn thing. <laughs> uh, you know, and, it, and obviously he's walking around. And everyone thinks he's insane because he's talking to himself, and obviously he's talking to this imaginary friend. Yeah, um, and that that it's that relationship because this this unicorn is obviously a child's imaginary friend. So as you can imagine, it's quite happy jumping around is singing songs tap dancing everywhere like and he's quite a serious guy who thinks the world is shit and his job is to make it a little bit less shit uh, right and he's got this weird sort of friend who's trying to make everything happy and uh, as you can imagine those two bouncing off each other that's what makes the comedic moments in it right i see i see so um it's on its second season already brilliant share because it's a binge it's a binge watching show yeah, yeah. I mean I started watching it late one night um, and couldn't wait till the next day when I could finish watching it right okay so, it's one of those you know it's one of those where I would have been tempted to take a day off work to finish watching it wow. <laughs> how far in are you finished it you finished it wow that's that's impressive yeah. alright so let's let's grade this sucker then so if it was somehow how many episodes uh, not many eight I think eight, so if it was an eight hour long film What out of five where did it sit for you out of five, probably four. Nice, yeah, nice. It's a, it's a really good TV series. Ah, oh, cool, cool. So there you have it. Four out of five. Netflix original happy. If you like unicorns, uh, heart attack induced detectives out for redemption and sounds like a lot else in between, give it a shout. Connect the dots, connect the dots. Connect the dots, connect the dots. You can't connect the dots to be forward. Hilarious. Connect the dots, connect the dots. Connect the dots, connect the dots. You can only connect them looking backwards. 
something like that playing in the background. So, connect the dots. The game that the internet is going, what the hell about? It's a game where, basically, I read out cast lists from films on my IMDb, starting from 10 to 1. Uh, my guest has to guess the, the film before they get to number 1. If they get to that number, they get points. Points mean prizes. When I say prizes, it's more about praise and just the ability to boss over other people i.e. John, who never does particularly well at this. Uh, what's the maximum point so far? What's it, who's got the highest so far? I've got the highest. Which is what? It was like 38 or something. You have yeah, to, yeah. I have a, there's a doubler at the end. So, oh, it's a doubler. So we do three films, Yeah. and then you have the chance to gamble and double your points. Whoa! Okay. And basically, I will tell you the writer of one of those films, and you have to guess the film that they wrote. Oh, the idea is it I'm means... I'm so rubbish at knowing actual people's names. Well, yeah, that's why I thought... <laughs> James is going to be quite funny at this. Okay, so... He's uh, one of them, Waterworld. I've got to pick another fucking film now. <laughs> yes, 10 points! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God damn you, man. Okay, so let's uh, let's start off. So let me just go and do for you here. I should have held that one back, shouldn't I? <laughs> Could have got a guaranteed 10 point there. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Peter Serenones. Gavin Ferguson. Oh, I don't get a chance to guess it. Oh, God, this is just going to keep going, is it? Yep. Yeah, it sounds Scottish. Matt Jays. Uh, Matt Jays. Oh, is it? Is it? Uh, is it like a, 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 a Jay and Silent Bob film? I can't tell you what no. it's like. No, okay. just, it's not Jay and Silent Bob. Okay, all right. Keir Mills. I, I don't know who any of these people. Are. Nicola Cunningham. <laughs> Cunningham. Dylan Moran. Oh, oh, okay. Dylan Moran. I know who that person is. Uh, is it Black Books? No, that's Lucy Davis. Uh, so is, it, is it? Oh, is it a Simon Pegg film? Walking Dead. No, not Walking Dead. What's that called? Short of the Dead. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, how many points is that? Four. Four. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. <laughs> okay. Number two, Max Elliot Slade. Oh no, dear. Miko Hughes. Oh, no. Emily Ann Lloyd. Don't know who. Oh, uh, Princess Bride. Mary Kate Slinchip. Not a clue. Catherine Corwin. Who? Catherine Kewlin. Uh, not a clue. Ed Harris. Uh, I used to go to school with someone called Ed Harris. I don't think he's an actor. I think there's a bit of an age difference between you and him, mate. But okay. anyway. Thank you um, uh, Top Gun. Kev- Kevin Bacon. Oh, uh, American Beauty? No, he was, no. He's not, not in Kevin that Bacon. film. <laughs> I, think Kevin Kevin Spacey. Spacey. I think I'm Kevin Spacey. Oh, no, that's <laughs> not mentioned him. We should mention him. No, no. Uh, Bill, Bill Paxton. Uh, Bill Paxton and Kevin Bacon. What film have they been in? Um, uh, e adverts. <laughs> <laughs> They're parodying what that film in that advert. Oh, okay. Y- y- Tom Hanks. Oh, Apollo 13. Yes. Yes. How many points is that? One. Oh, <laughs> this is not good. You currently stand on five. Oh, this is not good. <laughs> and your final one. There's redemption here, mate. Don't okay. worry. There's redemption for nearly all. Okay, let's go. Devon Nixon. Okay. No. Christopher Burt. Christopher Burt. Uh, let's go for Dancers of Wolves. Mike Starr. Uh, Field of Dreams. Uh, <laughs> Michelle Lamar Richards. Uh, 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 Thomas Ara. Uh, white Chicks. Ralph White. <laughs> Bill Cobbs. This is horrible. <laughs> Gary Kemp. I don't even know who that is. That's one of the high ones. Whitney Houston. Oh, oh, it's Bodyguard. Damn it, yes. it's a chemical film. Damn it, I should have kept going with my gut. Oh. 
<laughs> you got two. Two. Seven. Seven. So you got seven points. You can choose to gamble. Oh, let's gamble. Okay. Seven. Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you the writer of one of these astute films. Okay. And you have to tell me the film they relate to. Oh, so just remind me of the films where they've got The Bodyguard. Yep. We've got um, Shaun of the Dead and... Apollo 13. Apollo 13, okay. Okay. Okay, all right. Okay. Lawrence Castan. Can you spell that for me? You're not Googling it. <laughs> you got my phone with me. Well, you got to shout out to your Echo or something. Um, Lawrence Caston. Lawrence Caston. Right. Well, I don't think it'd be Shaun of the Dead because that's mostly Simon Pegg. Um, I don't think it would... Oh, it could be Bodyguard. I wouldn't really know what the... Bo- I think I would know if it was Apollo 13. I'm going to go with the Bodyguard. Well done, my friend. You now have 14 Yes! Yeah! <laughs> what's the worst score ever is that pretty close it's on a par I think John got 14 as well oh. um, but also just so you know that um, Lawrence Caston has just finished penning Solo uh, they actually wrote Star oh, really? Wars a hard, yeah, a uh, Solo should I say a Star Wars story they also wrote Raiders of the Lost Ark wow. uh, yeah there's, there's actually a really really astute director um, also helped the screenplay for The Empire Strikes Back wow uh, helped write on the Lando uh, sorry the, the Lando the Lando movie no uh, the Lego movie lots of great works here and um, a cool. really really great writer so please yo, check out their works and actually look up this person because it's absolutely incredible their, yeah. their back catalogue um, so there you have it connect the dots something like that playing in the background so it has all led to this from 2008's Iron Man to 19 films later. It is the, the final culmination of all the parts, the sum of all the parts with Avengers Infinity War. This is loosely based on the Infinity Gauntlet comic book series, but more importantly, it brings to a, a conclusion the story that was teased at the end of Avengers with that big red thing sitting on a giant space toilet smiling about the universe and how he could take it over. Thanos, paid, uh, played by none other than Josh Brolin, where the goal of Thanos is to collect these infinity stones that we have seen scattered in little breadcrumbs throughout the Marvel Cinematic Universe to give him the ability to basically do whatever the fuck he wants but he's a mad tyrant and his goal is to wipe out half the universe and with these stones collected together he can do that with the click of his fingers this brings a cast which has never been assembled before of 22 heroes all with salaries up in the hundreds of billions of dollars it is the most expensive project of all time they filmed back-to-back of Infinity War and its currently untitled sequel. Uh, they've done it back-to-back over a year, totaling to a cost of a billion dollars. And as a fan of these films who took his, his girlfriend at the time, then wife, on one of our first dates to go see this, I feel like I've grown up with this franchise as millions of people around the world i had the pleasure of seeing this at a midnight showing the day before release um in a absolutely packed cinema and i can tell you this was an experience beyond belief and this takes the entire cast of most films you know and love from this universe and i've done a feature last week on the films that you probably should see before you see this film and i definitely agree you should go see these films but this is a testament to the russo brothers writing style you don't have to have seen these films to really? get what's going on. The dialogue and the 
exploration done in how the characters interact with each other they somehow with each scene manage to layer in all the events that have happened in a way that isn't just a this is what happened in film one film two film three how we got now in a way which is really organic um, I absolutely adore this cast. I adore the writing style. The Russo brothers done an amazing job with Civil War. They've done an amazing job with Winter Soldier. Ironically, though, Captain America is kind of feel, feels underutilized in this film. But when you've got a cast of 22 main characters all needing their own moments in the sun in a two and a half hour long film. And, oh, by the way, we're reintroducing Thanos with Josh Brolin playing the character. And he's actually the main character in this, believe it or not. Um, it is done in an incredible way. Jamie, I know you haven't seen it yet. Have you seen any of the build-up to this? Have you seen the trailers? You get. I've seen going? a couple of trailers, but I have read the comics. Ah, nice. As well, so I am very much looking forward to it. Just, uh, just not had the opportunity. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's, it's only been out a couple of days in the yeah. UK. In the US, it only came out yesterday, and already it is smashing box office records. We expected this to happen, and um, a lot of people have said because of the success of Black Panther, is it a, is it a coincidence that? a big section of the film takes place in Wakanda. And the Russo brothers have come out and said, actually, although it is absolutely amazing how well Black Panther has done, you are aware that this a film like of this scale, we can't just make a decision to pivot all of a sudden. No. It was, We knew Chadwick Boseman. They introduced Chadwick Boseman as Black Panther in Civil War. We knew him and and, um, and Ryan Coogler were going to absolutely fucking smash it out of the park. And yeah, yeah, it's just a happy happy coincidence that we're now f- having a lot of our film in there. And if anyone doesn't believe that, you really need to do research on how films are made. You cannot make a city like Wakanda appear in a film and it look that good in a day. Like, no. yeah, it takes it takes it takes a team months, years to assemble that sort of rendering. It is a beautifully visually stunning film. A lot of people have critiqued saying, "Oh, when you have lots of CG characters on screen, they really have knocked this out of the park, in my opinion. Um, Josh Brolin's Thanos, he is the main character. So not only do you have these 22 characters, you have to service some of them based on Earth, some are based around the galaxy, some are based in, in really obscure situations. Not only have they managed to delicately balance those stories, they have made Thanos the main protagonist in this. You almost sympathise with him. It is really hard to sympathise with a giant purple man who <laughs> wants to destroy the universe, but you almost sympathise with him. There are some massive story payoffs that have been left on story threads that have been sitting in the ether for the last 10 years and you forgot about them. There were scenes where I looked around and jaws were on the ground of, oh my God, they've, they've brought it up. This is how that, that that bit comes to a conclusion. Amazing. So it's April, end yep. of April, almost May. Yep. It'd be a bold statement, but film of the year? Yes, in my opinion, hundred percent. This is on. The, this is the Empire Strikes Back for comic book fans. Wow, that is how good this film is. It leaves it on a cliffhanger. Look, I'm not going to go into spoilers in this review. I will do a, a spoiler cast about this. My intention was after my film uh, screening to actually do a reaction pod, but because what happens in this film my reaction at the time would have been spoiler-filled. Like, there is no way to to not imply what happens in this film in an initial reaction cast. Like, now I've had some time to digest it, now I can tell you about the, the storytelling ability of this film. Mm. Now, think back to Avengers. That was an amazing feat. Josh Whedon done an amazing job directing it and writing it and bringing it to our screen. What we loved about that film was these characters meeting for the first time. Now, the weight of expectation weighed heavy on Avengers Age of Ultron. It was a good film. It didn't quite reach the heights of the first film. Yeah. Josh Whelan acknowledged that and took a step back and he was no longer part of the cinematic universe. 
The Russo brothers have not only managed to deal with the weight of expectations of 19 films before that, with even more complex story elements. Is it 19, is it? There's 19 Marvel films before that, yep. And the the whole budget behind that, they have delivered. This film should be a train wreck, right? Think how shit Justice League was. This film should be even worse than that because there's more characters, there's more complexities, there's more things that can go wrong. But no, they have dealt with this so well. This is a masterclass in storytelling. And why should we not expect anything less from these guys? You heard my rant earlier about the pedigree of their writing style. But if you think... Think about your your favourite TV shows. This is why TV writers going into film. This is an advocacy for that. When you've got a massive ensemble cast, think about Community. Yeah. You've got seven or eight characters, and you've only got twenty minutes in a TV show. Mm. In that in that time, you want to give story, exploration, and arc, as well as comedy, because it's a comedy. Yeah. They were masters at it. Obviously, Dan Harmon is the is the showrunner and was everything mm. else. But obviously, they were writers on that show as well. The ability to showcase talent in a way in a short period of time to get a story across, to make you empathise with them, there is no better than good TV writers that can do this. So the Russo brothers have applied that formula on an epic scale, a billion dollars scale. And that is how you get this amazing part. Every character gets their moment to shine. Every character gets their stories continued. Every character gets the ability to showcase what they're about. Different clashes, different styles. James Gunn is a producer on this film. The best scenes in this film are with the Guardians of the Galaxy. You can tell, it's almost like the Russo brothers, you can feel like the Russo brothers kind of said, James, this is your baby. You know how to work with these guys. You know how to bring the best out of these characters. And that's why you can take the things you love out of the first Avengers film with these characters meeting, engaging and and clashing, potentially with some of them for the first time, and bringing it onto the big screen. The Guardians meeting Tony Stark, that's a revelation. Um, Doctor Strange, absolutely brilliant film. They really utilise his character, but also the special effects from Doctor Strange. I'd say Doctor Strange probably has the best um, effects in any of the Marvel films. It has to because of the nature of the character. He's MVP in this. Like Doctor Strange is absolutely... Benedict Cumberbatch, oh my God, sir, you have transcended to become God for me, mate. You are absolutely brilliant in this film. There's just so many great elements about this. Okay, I've talked about the good stuff. There are a couple of elements where you go... I don't know if that's the right way to go with the story but you know what in in highlights to our comments earlier about people doing the analysis a bit too much fuck it this is a five star film this is a five star if you like your comic book films this is a masterpiece we will hold this up as a temple of this is one of the greatest achievements in storytelling ever told in my opinion and I don't think that's that that goes out of line go see it Go see it 10 times. I've seen it twice already. I'll be taking my wife because she's absolutely obsessed with these films. Probably more of just Chris Hemsworth arms than anything else. <laughs> but um, yeah, I yeah, I can't. I don't want to go into spoiler detail too much, but I just want to give a general review. Do you think this is why they filmed both films at the same time? Yeah. Because is there a danger with making such a brilliant first set film that if they had taken a break and then come back and made the second film, that it wouldn't have that continuity, they wouldn't have that same feeling, wouldn't have that same impact because from what you're saying this sounds like an absolutely incredible film that you know uh, you've actually made me want to go out and watch it today yeah 100% mate like get out of your chair and go to cinema now mate it sounds brilliant and my only concern would be is they've set the the pedestal so high what's going to happen in that second second that's that's the good thing about this is that they've done it back to back they've they've finished 
lensing or however yeah. you want to call it they've finished filming it they're just the Russo brothers are currently editing at the moment and there have been some decisions they have made through this process which have affected the first film there are elements in the trailer that are not in the film because they have made a story decision to change right. only subtly but it's really interesting how certain things change they have taken into consideration I mean there's so many things which you go oh my god that was an idea that was introduced in a film seven years ago and they've managed to recorporate that back in so for the the nerds you go oh my god that's what happened to that person or oh my god he was collecting those things and he ends up using it later on it was just a yeah. it was just a throwaway line in a film yeah. six years ago and that's incredible for the first timers like I looked around the cinema and everyone was just in capture no one went to the toilet <laughs> during this film was, you know, judge it by how people get no yeah. one wanted to leave there is a post credit scene. Obviously, it is Marvel, and it does set up not only the sequel to Avengers Infinity War, which is just titled Avengers 4, but also Captain Marvel, which is the next big cinematic release, um, which will come out towards the end of the year. We also got Ant-Man and the Wasp coming out, and they do leave breadcrumbs as to what happens in that film as well. Um, like I said, I don't necessarily want to go into too much more uh, anything that could be considered a spoiler. Just know that this film... It, it it delivers on the expectations. It delivers on the on the premise and the scope of this film. You will want to go see this. You will want to go see it multiple times. This will break um, Star Wars budget in terms of how much uh, this is going to take in the box office. I have no doubt about that. I can't wait for the sequel. But to Jamie's point earlier about why is it good that they've gone this? I think yes because with all the will in the world, Robert Downey Jr. is getting old and so is Chris Hemsworth, so is all the original OG cast and they can't necessarily carry on doing this whole, okay, well, we'll do a film and then for four or five years, you'll all go off and make your own things, then we'll come back and do another one. It will get silly. So, yeah, there's a reason why they have done it this way. Like I said, the effects are glorious. Seeing these characters interact for the first time, uh, for me... Doctor Strange MVP. Uh, is absolutely fantastic in this as well. Mark Ruffalo gets his Hulk movie um, across all these films because unfortunately you can't ever, they can't ever make their own separate property because Universal owned the rights to it. But if you add up the story threads you see from Age of Ultron to Thor Ragnarok to this, it comes to, it comes to a conclusion, but there's still other things to learn as well. And it leaves it on a cliffhanger. And more importantly, uh, Marvel have solved their villain problem. Like Thanos is, he's better than Tom Hiddleston as Loki. He is better than he's better than Killmonger and um, from Black Panther. He they really do deliver on all fronts. So it is five out of five. John, I can hear you crying in the background somewhere, hearing, "Oh my God, there's a disturbance in the force." Adam's giving praise even more again to more comic book films, but this is fantastic. Go see it. Five out of five. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. If you've enjoyed it as much as we've enjoyed making it, please click on the like, subscribe share whatever the name of the button is that means you get more content from talk filmy to me i want to thank my astute guest jamie hannon how can people find you sir uh you can find me on twitter at at mr hannon in space or at will flint live oh actually will flint live it was from his it was from his uh, <laughs> uh, his stag and we thought we were going to kill him but he survived <laughs> hannon here in space okay we'll be back next week with i'll be back with a host and we'll be doing some interesting reviews uh kind of undecided on which ones we might be going to a press screening soon as well so hopefully we'll be getting that in soon but till next time we're down in the basement we'll lock the cellar door and baby talk filmy to me